0: Hello and welcome to The Constructor Podcast, the future of the built environment. I'm your host, Brittany Campbell-Turner, and this podcast is dedicated to helping property owners have certainty in their decisions about their construction projects. We talk about fostering trusting relationships, help you to understand how to lower risk, be under budget and on schedule, and most importantly, exceed your end users' desires. Welcome to this episode of the Constructor Podcast. So, last week I shared my conversation with studio leads Jeff Hoffman and Kyle Hudson at Via Technic. We talked about the intersection of BIM, FM, and digitizing real estate. We talked about the importance of stakeholder engagement how an initiative changes based on if it's a company-wide top-down initiative from executives versus bottom-up, and what good BIM looks like. Last but not least, we talked about ROI being understood better by owner-operators and how tracking of asset information can be improved by using BIM with real estate. So before I share about what today's episode is all about, I want to make sure to make another quick announcement this week that I will be podcasting at the Lean in Design Forum in Chicago taking place on May 29th and 30th. I'll be asking attendees how much they're actually focusing on VDC or BIM and how that really supports communication and collaboration on their projects. You know I'm fascinated by the opportunity to disrupt and it just so happens that Cliff Mosier, author of Architecture 3.0, the Disruptive Design Practice Handbook, he will be the keynote speaker. I'm also really looking forward to seeing some of my old friends from the lean community. If you haven't signed up, do so at leanconstruction.org events and look for the 2019 Lean in Design form and register there. Now, let me share with you who you will be going to hear from today. This week, you will hear from a colleague of mine, Marcia Bolpani. She is a BIM management consultant at Mace. She's also the BIM Dictionary co-editor and an overall BIM advocate. We had a really good conversation on what BIM is looking like today and compliance within public regulations and client specifications. We talked about how to maximize BIM Level 2 requirements via PAS 1192, and how we're actually transitioning to ISO 19650, and how we actually will need to start complying to a new standard in public work, at least within Europe. We also talk about what BIM good looks like, and last but not least, talk through some really great BIM resources. Here is my interview with Marcia Bopagni.
1: I wanted to interview you today because you're doing amazingly in this industry and the amount of research that you've done thus far around BIM. I just wanted to understand what is your fascination with BIM, what draws you to it, what makes you excited about it.
2: Yeah, so thank you very much for this invitation. I think that also you're doing a great job with the podcast. So um, I started my interest in BIM in academia So when I was in the university some people complain that still uh, the education sector is not ready for this but i was lucky being in environment when they were like professor promoting this and uh, since i started my research with my master thesis working in collaboration with VTT in finland Then after with my PhD, I really wanted to work with the industry, for the industry, and uh, to understand uh, how building information modeling was already implemented, especially from the client point of view. So it's important to start in the right way, so with an intelligent client that understands what it is about. So working with the Massachusetts Port Authority in Boston And then with the UK Minister of Justice, for me, it was really important to understand where the gaps were that also take the the best from them. And so my research was really about understanding what the client should do in order to drive building information modeling and then how to set the requirements and then how to check and validate and how to manage information during the entire life cycle.
1: So you wanted to know what good looked like to start with. You wanted to understand what good clients are doing and work with clients that are setting it up properly. Essentially, figure out how to do that for other clients so that they can roll that out.
2: Yeah, exactly. Now my role is mainly a client advisor. So if they want to set a strategy, want to implement and develop a building information modeling and in general, digital innovation in their organization how they they need to, to start, what they need to do, not only from the technology point of view, but also from the process and then from the people point of view. yeah, And also the, the policy. So I didn't mention before, but as part of my research, I investigated the topic about LOD. Level of development. There are different specifications from the BIM Forum. There is the LOD BIM Forum specification. And in other countries, here in UK, with the past 1192 that created the concept of level of definition as a combination of level of information, level of geometry, it's really about information requirements. So again, to understand what the clients would like to to receive at the end and during the the process.
1: So that makes sense. So that ties to what the client needs, essentially, and, and what detailed level of that might be. So that makes sense why you're fascinated about it and why you're actually here at MACE. I didn't mention earlier that you just so happen to work at the same company I do, in, based in the UK, but you also travel around here, right? Yeah. Where do you travel to for work then?
2: Yeah, so as part of my work here, I have also the opportunity to continue my activities at a European level at SEN on beam standardization. So I'm task group leader. Of uh, this group on LOD standardization at uh, CEN for 442, that is responsible of a standard for building information modeling. So mainly I'm traveling for this European meeting, but also for different conferences and uh, to to share my knowledge about this. Uh, yeah, so it is good. It's not um, easy to find company that promote uh, research and development in this kind of activity. So I feel that very lucky that I can can do it. Yeah.
1: What's the most recent conference you've been to and what did you talk about?
2: Recently, I was uh, indulged so in Netherlands for this for C442 meeting. So it was like a working group section. So there are people that are responsible for the terminology, for the data exchange, for the process. And also there is a group uh, on infrastructure so we were like discussing and uh, try to continue our work on the standardization. And then I also have been in Italy at the Made Expo on this uh, beam user group. So it was uh, an, an event uh, where different users with different experience in the industry were sharing their knowledge. And also I was very proud to be able to bring some of the talents that are here in UK but they are Italian so we were there and it was like a a good opportunity to share experience working in different countries working then some people from their design practice other from the contractors some from academia so it was really a good opportunity I think so
1: that's good. Sounds like you had a fun time, and you were able to make some really good connections that you already had, and bring them to to your world, essentially. So that's really cool. Let's talk a little bit about something you mentioned earlier: compliance and what the BIM needs are that a client might have, and and how how does that tie to to compliance? You've participated in writing a um, a white paper of sorts that focused on digital compliance could you share with us about what digital compliance is exactly and then be your contributions to that paper?
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. So the report is also available uh, online for free. So I think that we we can share also the link with the people that are listening to us. So it's part of this DCOM network on the digitalization of compliance of uh, regulation, in particular building, building regulation has been financed by the Centre for Digital Brit- Britain and the aim was to understand first of all the state of the art and then to provide uh, advice to the government how to promote and implement uh, digital compliance checking. I think it is a really relevant topic because uh, especially from the client point of view, the client is spending money and effort to define their requirements and uh, They would like to receive uh, good quality information that they can can use really about um, how much you can trust of the information that you have and that you can reuse in the future for different purposes. And uh, at the moment, the checking process mainly is manual. So there is only a few automation on this. Even if there are good example of uh, tools that are available in the market, in particular checking the, the model, but it's not only about the model. So it's really to understand if what uh, we specified first as a client is taking into account different regulation and different specification that are already available, and then that what we receive is in compliance with all these complex I would say amount of requirements.
1: If you don't mind I just want to clarify and, and contextualize. There's obviously past 1192 that is how would we just des- be describing that as a policy or regulation?
2: Yeah as a standard.
1: As a standard that needs to be met Uh, based in here in the UK for public projects, right? But in addition to that, there's a specification side that might be coming from the client specifically saying, okay, these are the specific attributes for the different components that need to be built into their facilities. And then in addition to that, many more requirements based upon structural design needs, mechanical design needs. So it could be a plethora of layers, if you will, when it comes to the compliance question. That needs to be understood at the first stage. And then in addition to that, there's that checking mechanism, understanding how then the next step takes place to make sure that it's meeting what's been required, even when there's sometimes a subjective approach through this paper process that we have right now, both in the UK and the US, and finding a way to digitize it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, that I would like to say that now with the ISO 9650 series, Part of the pass uh, has been re- redoing, so now there is an international standards that uh, that we can use for the billing information process. And yeah, you're you're totally right. So there are different rules that we need to, to follow. It can be specific for for the design. It can be fire acoustic requirements, but then also can be requirements related to which and how many de- de- deliverables you need to, to produce uh, in order to satisfy the client's need. There is also the, the difference between verification and validation. So, first of all, to check if you receive the, the information and then to check the, the contact. So, yeah, also different way of, of, of checking. Yeah. You are totally right about the subjective Approach that uh, most of the time we have so we can interpret the rules in a different way. So, the future is really to start analyzing the current regulation specification and then to understand how much can be digitalized and in order to create requirements that can be machine readable and so to add more objectives in the checking process. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is also related to a topic that I know that you are investigating a lot, it is blockchain and smart contracts. So how contracts in the future will look like and how we need also the the contract that is machine-reliable and then also what we produce that can be read by the, the machine and so we can have uh, an automatic or semi-automatic results. I think that by now the human part is still uh, is still important i'm not sure that we will be able to digitalize all the requirements but the important thing is the awareness so to be aware and what we can easily change quickly in a digital way in an objective way mm-hmm. and what instead is still open to interpretation and maybe we like it that there is this freedom yeah. for some things
1: mm. Well, and you mentioned that you listened to the interview that Bill and I did with Maliki, and he focuses on this behavior component of BIM and really the governance structure, but not only that, just really how the team interacts. Going back to the research a little bit, the way you described it to me a little bit earlier as well, is there's there's BIM level two, right, that the team that developed this paper is focusing on in order to make sure that we can at least work well within this BIM Level 2 process, even though we all want to get to this common data environment that is, what we're, you know, the Holy Grail, if you will, BIM Level 3, right? But I think we do have to think of what are we going to do to take those baby steps and get there? And it cannot be done without understanding how we as communities work with each other, how we build trust with each other, how do we set up those contractual mechanisms so that we can Communicate more easily with each other, and then make sure that we're keeping each other accountable. So, that's I guess that's sort of my summarizing thoughts there. But I want to know what, like, what are your next steps? What are you planning on working on next?
2: I think that this is really important. This uh, behavioral approach to understand how people use the, the the space and how they behave also during the entire process. So. Moving to analyse instead of only the final product, but also the behaviours of people, how they work, and also to reward the, the good behaviours and, and to promote. And to have this possibility of to track activity and this transparency to use in, in a good way in order to reward the good work that a company but also individual professional are doing. And then another thing is also how we use the pace in order to improve uh, the performances of the building and how we can sell uh, an additional service to our clients. And the contractual part is, is really important. So I think that we need to work more and more on collaborative procurement. So the way that we work because if still uh, we speak about collaboration and importance of this, promoting different way of working, but then also you need uh, to mirror this from the contractual side. So to embrace collaborative procurement that are already there, to understand uh, the possible risk or the fear that people, they have in changing the way that they use the contract and to experience this, not only speaking about this need, but to do in reality. So there are also some good examples also here in the UK. And I would like to work more on this direction, yeah.
1: That sounds really exciting to me, actually. I've spoken with a couple of people on the vested approach, which is really a collaborative procurement process. I'll put a link here in the podcast to tie back to that interview that I did. I would say that's really focused on facilities management. Okay. So in addition to that, though, I, I, I'm intrigued by your interest in that and seeing how that ties into preparing a, a better MIM setup, right, like for the entire project. It's so about getting the project set up right from, the, from day one. And that's what I'm hearing from you um, is how do you make sure that, like, you have the right people, the right processes, the right structure, and the right plans set in place.
2: Yeah, I think that coming back to, you know, the first point of our discussion is really when I work with clients is really to explain with building information modeling, you can achieve a lot of different things. And if you leave this process to other professional they will look at these from their perspective and they they produce the information that they need to fit their purposes so it's really important from the client point of view to understand okay what is important for you what what does it mean what what are the key information, uh, you know, can be properties, it can be from the geometrical point of view, it can be documentation. What is relevant for you? Because there are people from from the design that, that they complain that in construction, so for example, the, the model is, is not used, but it's because it's not fit for purpose. So again, also the client, is important the client that is receiving what is relevant. So it's really important to have more and more like intelligent clients that are aware of the potential of this digital journey.
1: Oh, that's good. Anything else you want to share with the Constructor
2: audience? I didn't mention in my activities that uh, I'm also an assistant editor of the BIM Dictionary. This is a tool that is available online for free, so we can also add a link to this. So it can be used for educational purpose, but also in your organization to use it and include in your Uh, Beam documentation, or also in your contract. So uh, by now, it has been translating nineteen languages. Wow! Yeah, and yeah, and there are at the moment more than eighty volunteers working on this. So especially for the organizations that are working across the globe uh, so they, it is a good uh, tool because you can find the same term translating in different languages and uh, also some people when they are at the beginning of this journey there are a lot of acronyms a lot of concepts that maybe are not uh, so uh, intuitive so I suggest uh, to, to have a look and try to, to type for example what is a BIM execution plan LOD, what is a BIM project, what, what, what does it mean? Also, the, the definition of building information modeling. So, I really suggest you also are interested to volunteer your time on this project. But also, the BIM dictionary is part of the BIM excellence initiatives, and there are also other projects that you can volunteer. So, just have a look now also the BIM dictionary has been an open source project so you can contribute to this and I really think it is important to provide so this support for the community
1: well that's awesome thank you for contributing to that and then also thank you for taking the time out and taking the interest in doing this podcast episode with me
2: thank you very much again for the invitation and congratulations I will continue to follow your work
0: if you liked this episode, find out more in the show notes at constructor.com slash Marcio bolpani That's M-A-R-Z-I-A-B-O-L-P-A-G and I. If you learned something valuable in this episode, share it with your friends and colleagues. You can also let me know if you enjoyed our discussion by connecting with me on Twitter at Brittany underscore C T or find me on LinkedIn. You can also email me at Brittany at Constructor.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-E at constructrr.com. The 2019 Lean and Design Forum might just be the right place to learn how upfront lean design planning can streamline design coordination and help the design to be more constructible. Find out more at leanconstruction.org slash events and go to Lean and Design Forum to register for May 29th and 30th. Don't forget, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, do so at your favorite podcast player. I look forward to continuing the constructor journey with you next week.